Hi, my name is Danielle and you're listening to Crime and Mystery Canada. On this podcast, we discuss subjects that might be creepy to some and sometimes even frightening. Some of our episodes will deal with serious subject matter, while others will be more lighthearted. Please keep in mind that I am not an expert on any of the topics I cover, just an interested party, and as always, listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone, I'm Danielle. I'm Polymil. And you're listening to Crime and Mystery Canada. Last week, I shared a few cases on Facebook that I was working on and asked which one you were interested in hearing about next. Thanks to everyone who shared their thoughts. We will be covering all three of the cases in the coming weeks, but this week we're going to talk about the disappearance of Maddie Scott. Have you ever heard about her? I don't think I'm familiar with the story, but uh, once you start speaking about it, it might come back to me. If you're interested in true crime and listen to podcasts, you more than likely have heard about her disappearance. It's been covered by a few different podcasts and has been talked about a fair bit. Since it's an unsolved case and she still remains missing, we need to keep talking about it in hopes that someone comes forward with information. So let's get into the case. Madison Scott, who went by Maddie, was a fun-loving 20-year-old from Vanderhoof, B.C. when she went missing on May 28, 2011, according to the Vanderhoof Omnica Express. She was described by her friends as very social, witty, and always looking to make plans. On Friday, May 27, 2011, Maddie was supposed to hang out with a friend who was in town for the weekend. She ended up cancelling her plans with that friend, and according to the Vanishing of Maddie Scott documentary, Maddie had ended up going to a birthday party at a place called Hogsback Lake. This lake was approximately 25 kilometers out of town. She and another friend named Jordy intended to spend the night out there camping and had brought a tent and other camping equipment with her. It wasn't a lake and there were campsites there, so it wasn't unusual to party there and then just spend the night. So it was something that the young people would do on a regular basis. Yes, it was. According to her mother, the last she saw of Maddie is just a little bit later that evening, um, on that Friday night. Maddie had already gone out, but popped back by the house. Apparently, the tent she had taken with her was quite small, so she needed a larger one, and also had forgotten the tent poles. So she had to come back home and get the right equipment. She only stayed a few minutes to collect her things and had a quick chat with her mother before she headed back out. According to the website maddiescott.ca, about 46 people attended the party that night, most of them from the Vanderhoof area. That's a pretty big group. Yeah, I think it started out rather small, but it was posted on Facebook, so more and more people kept showing up during the night. Probably easier to crash an outdoor party at a campsite than it is to go into a house. Definitely, and especially if you've got that information posted, you might you run into the chance that a big crowd shows up and not all necessarily people you know. And that's kind of what happened that night. A lot of unknown people were showing up. 
So I read in a few places that during the night, during the party, a fight had broken out. Um, according to Maddie's friend Jordy, as the night wore on, she says in the documentary, and this is her words, that things started to change. She doesn't specify exactly what she meant by that. I suspect she means that the atmosphere changed as strangers were arriving. Yeah, I suppose if you're with a, a regular group of friends, there's a certain uh, atmosphere in the air. And as the strangers start to come in, you get you start feeling a little uneasy. And I guess it's just the gut feeling that you go with that something isn't right. Yeah, especially if people are drinking also, it can be quite uncomfortable. Like if you're having some drinks with people you know, you kind of know what to expect from them as the night wears on, but with strangers, things can quickly get out of hand. In the documentary, Jordy states that, that she got quite intoxicated as the night wore on, and she ended up falling into the fire. Because of this, she decided to go home. She asked Maddie to come with her, but at that point, Maddie was already tucked away in her tent, comfortably in her sleeping bag. And Maddie didn't feel like getting up and going home, so she decided to stay. Jordy left with her boyfriend. This would have been probably around 12.30 at night, or 12.30 a.m., I guess. So they're driving back home. The boyfriend is driving. That's my understanding, yep. People reported seeing Maddie until like 2.45 to 3 a.m. as they were leaving from the party. And all of them reported that she was still in her tent. I think it was on maddiescott.ca that I saw that people would pop by and ask her if she wanted to leave with them and she kept refusing, saying that she was just going to spend the night. So I think what everyone thought was going to happen is that other people were staying, camping as it usually went, but everyone ended up leaving as far as we know and Maddie was left alone in the tent. On Saturday, May 28th, Jordy returned in the morning to the campsite to collect her things. She noticed that Maddie's tent was still there, but didn't see Maddie. She didn't report anything at this time. I'm assuming she thought Maddie had left with other people or was wandering around the campsite somewhere. Well, if everybody was gone, I guess it was it was uh, normal to suppose she had gotten a lift home with somebody else. Exactly. And if you look online, there's a lot of talk about her friend leaving her there alone and not reporting her and all those things. And some people say that it looks suspicious. And yes, I'm sure you can look at it with that eye, but I'm also thinking about 20-year-olds drinking. And it's not, well, it doesn't have to be 20-year-old. Any age when you get enough alcohol in you, you're not going to make the best decisions. I tended to get great ideas when I was intoxicated, but uh, the, the friend didn't really leave her alone. There were other people there. There were, and also, like, if Maddie was adamant that she wasn't leaving, and, I mean, her friend did fall in the fire. It's a pretty big deal. Like, she probably burned her clothes and wasn't feeling very good, so I can understand her wanting to go home. So I get what people are saying. You should never leave friends alone with strangers if you go out with someone... If you go out with someone, you should come back with them. I understand that. But again, like, we've all been 20. We've all made bad decisions. Later that day, some of the people from the party went back to the campsite to clean up. 
They would later report that they saw the tent standing there, and this would have been around 10.30 in the morning, but they didn't see Maddie either. They assumed she was still sleeping in the tent, and because they thought she was sleeping, no one went to see if she was still there. That's a little bit strange because the previous evening, people kept checking out on her if she wanted to leave. And then the next morning, the tent is there, and nobody wants to go and check and see if she's actually in the tent. Well, I can kind of see it. I mean, I can't understand how someone would still be sleeping outside at 10.30. I feel like even if you are hungover, at one point you're going to wake up because of the sun and the sounds and all that. But I can see that they're like, maybe she's sleeping it off kind of thing and not wanting to bother her. But we've all slept in tents, and the last place you want to be once the sun is up is in a tent with a hangover. That is true, but it was May, so it may not have been that warm. Right. That Saturday night, there was a very large party at Hogsback Lake, so about 150 people were there. They would later report that Maddie's stuff was there, but no one saw any sign of Maddie. Back at home that Saturday night, her parents are starting to grow concerned about her whereabouts. So her mom had tried to call her during the day and had called some friends to see if they heard from her, and they hadn't, but so she was concerned, but she wasn't overly concerned because Maddie was 20, maybe she just stayed out at the party, there wasn't great cell reception, so she wasn't in panic mode yet. But... The next day, when they still hadn't heard from her, they headed to the campsite, so her mom and her father headed to the campsite, and they found her tent completely flattened. They found her locked truck, which was a 1990 Ford F-150. Her purse was in the truck, and the only two things that were missing from the campsite, other than Maddie, were her keys and her iPhone. And this is according to a 2017 Global News article. At this point... The family calls the Vanderhoof RCMP to report her missing around 2 p.m. The police get to the scene and a massive search and rescue effort gets underway. They search air, ground, and water, but by Tuesday, when no sign of her is found, they come to the conclusion that she more than likely left the area in a vehicle and the search is called off by the police. It seems like a... They... A haste decision. It does, but the family and volunteers searched extensively. And if you watch the documentary, they talk about how they searched. There were volunteers out in boats. They had um, they had helicopters out. The family had divided everything in grids. Like there were hundreds of volunteers still looking, and not a single thing was found. So I guess they were satisfied that they had done a thorough job of looking around the area. It sounds like they did their very best. Now, this area is very remote and very dense, and they keep finding, or they kept finding, like, old camps and trapper cabins and things like that, and a lot of it was completely off-grid and had been unused for many years. So there might very well still be areas there that went unsearched, but it sounds like they did as thorough a job as was possible given the terrain they were working on. From everything that I read, it seems like the RCMP's reaction was swift and the search effort from the police and a lot of it from the volunteers and family was massive. But if she did leave by car with an unknown person, I mean, where do you look? 
the possibilities are pretty much endless at that point. Yes, and, you know, she could, the person could have taken her north heading towards Alaska or south. or Where do you go from there? Exactly. She could have gone 10 kilometers to someone's house. Like, it's, it's impossible to know. And if you don't have any eyewitnesses, you don't have any cell phone tower pings, you don't have anything, I mean, you're just kind of stumped at that point. Friends and family members stepped up to help. The community raised money and helped pay the fee to rent the helicopters for the search effort. Year after year, the community holds events to keep Maddie in the public's mind. Uh, Family organizes a poker run every year for Maddie. There's still posters all over the community that are up, um, but she remains missing to this day. She's been missing. She's been missing for almost 10 years now. Yeah, almost 10 years now. The police tried to locate everyone that attended the party, both the Friday night party and the Saturday party. Some people were questioned. Almost everyone apparently was polygraphed by the police. The friend that she went to the party with was questioned as well, and also some men that she'd shown interest in or had shown interest in her. But the police haven't named anyone a suspect or a person of interest, according to any of the sources that I found. There is some discussion online about two guys who attended the party. So apparently she was interested in one of them, but he didn't, he wasn't interested in her. And then the other guy was interested in her, but she wasn't interested in him. So apparently some interest was paid to these men, but again, it doesn't seem to have gone anywhere. And I think it's mostly internet chatter. Like there's no, um, it, it doesn't look like they were named as persons of interest. Or the other possibility is that there is some information that the police have that they're just keeping uh, secret until they find some lead. Exactly. There's always the possibility that the police have someone on the radar, but they just don't have enough information to proceed with an arrest. Now, whether it's them or it's someone else at the party, we really don't know. And there's not enough information to really talk about anyone concretely because, again, there's just no information out there. And the fact that they haven't found the trace or or haven't made it public, the police haven't made it public, that they found any traces of her, does not necessarily mean that they don't have small pieces of information. The police are in a difficult position. Um, They have to be careful not to give the family any false hope. So it's it's hard to tell what what they know or what they may have suspicions on. For sure. And... I think like a lot of cases sometimes like years later they come up or they arrest someone and they had them on their radar all along. They just needed to gather enough information to make an arrest because obviously you can't make an arrest based on nothing. You need to have concrete evidence before you take that step. Otherwise, there's no point that can't go to trial. You need a certain amount of things to move forward. Well, you need you, you need witnesses that are willing to testify, and and you need to find uh, remains or some sort of indication that the person was in contact and was with uh, with Maddie. There apparently was no cell phone activity on Maddie's phone after twelve thirty a.m. on the twenty eighth, so on Saturday morning. 
The police believe that this is a case of foul play. They don't believe that Maddie is missing on purpose. Um, They do state that she may have left the area voluntarily. And the fact that she took her keys and her phone with her kind of corroborates that because obviously if she'd been held at gunpoint or just grabbed by someone the chances unless she had them on her person already the chances that she would have had those things would have had time to grab those things are pretty slim yeah it indicates that she had every intentions of returning back to the cab site or to retrieve her truck right her truck was locked but she took her keys with her so no one could get into it that's kind of my thought process there I mean, we've both done quite a bit of camping in our lives, and I will usually sleep with my phone very close by, mainly to have a light if I need it, but I wouldn't sleep with my keys on me. No, and uh, if you're doing any amount of hiking or or you're leaving uh, your vehicle, um, it's normal that you would bring your keys with you because you don't want to leave them unattended and risk somebody breaking into your vehicle or stealing it. Yeah, that's true. If you were leaving the campsite, you would bring them with you. But that, to me, would have to be a conscious a conscious decision of taking them and not, like, again, if someone, like, just grabbed, like, snatched her or um, took her at gunpoint, again, I, I feel like the keys would still be somewhere in the tent. Yeah. And most people, uh, we have our phones uh, next to us or, or in our hands all the time. So if somebody uh, would have uh, forcefully taken her away, they would have found the phone. You would think so. Yeah. There is some talk online about possibly Maddie sort of wandering off during the night and having an accident. Um like succumbing to the elements, hurting herself, drowning, things like that. I suppose it's entirely possible, but again, it's strange that absolutely nothing was found. And we've talked about how if you're intoxicated, you might not make the best decisions, but after refusing to leave her tent all night because she was comfortably in her sleeping bag and didn't want to get up, it'd be strange that all of a sudden she decided to get up and go for a hike or go for a swim. Yes, and if she had been drinking and spent several hours either sleeping it off or just laying in her sleeping bag, uh, she would have sobered up somewhat. Mm-hmm. That's true, too. There is a $100,000 reward for, in- for information that leads to finding Maddie Scott or information that would lead to f- solving the mystery of her disappearance. She's described as a 20-year-old Caucasian woman. When she went missing, she was 5 feet 4 inches tall, about 170 pounds. They describe her hair as ginger, so a redhead, and she has green eyes. She was last seen wearing a black t-shirt and blue jean capri pants. If you have any information on her disappearance, please contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS, or you can contact your local RCMP. Well... I guess the comment I want to make is that since we're coming up on a 10-year anniversary, a sad one be it, that this young woman has been missing, the people that may have seen something and didn't feel comfortable coming forward 10 years ago when the police were first started investigating it, I would hope that um, they would either feel 
better or I, I would hope that they would feel that now is the time that they can come forward if they do remember anything to share it with the police to try and bring some sort of closure to the family for this. And I think another important thing too, and I think that I think about that a lot anytime I pass by Sackville and see the Chris Metallic poster, um, which is a case we talked about a few episodes ago. If you are out in that area, if you're hiking, if you're four-wheeling, quadding, hunting, just keep an eye out. If you see anything strange or out of place, like a piece of clothing, a backpack, just anything, contact the police. Like, there's no harm in doing it. They'll come and check it out. And if it's nothing, it's nothing. But sometimes something that doesn't look like much can be important. So to finish up tonight with our moment of kindness, I think we should all take a minute to think about and thank all of the volunteers that come together to help when someone goes missing. So we often talk about them when we cover missing persons cases and things like that, but I don't think I've ever officially taken a moment to acknowledge them. Thank you to everyone out there who's helped families to try and find their missing loved ones. It can be searching, it can be answering phones, putting up flyers. All of it is important. I think you're right in mentioning them because we often just discuss where there was search and rescue or there was volunteers out looking for clothes or a lost uh, a lost person. And uh, our family was touched directly by a missing family member who search and rescue recovered. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that we officially thank them all. And yeah. even even if it's only somebody that's bringing coffee to the people that are out in the woods or out in the on the water searching for somebody, they're all playing a part of it. Everyone's taking their time and everyone's time is precious. So the people who put the time in and put the effort in, um, thank you. Yeah, hats off to all of them. I'd also like to thank everyone that's been listening to the podcast and everyone who reached out through social media and email. I do look at all of the information that is sent to me. It's important for me to read it. And I just want everyone to know that I do look at it. I do work full time. This is something I do on the side. So I don't always have as much time as I'd like to to research and communicate back. But I do promise that I will be looking into all of your suggestions and the information you sent as quickly as I can. If you need to reach out to us, we are on social media. So on Instagram, it's Crime and Mystery Canada. And there is a Facebook group of the same name. And you can reach out to us at crimeandmysterycanada at gmail.com as well. I hope everyone is staying safe out there and have a good night. Good night.